0: Hello, I'm Chris, and this is CB Music Club. So, I will introduce us all here. We've got Nick. Hello. We've got Will. Hello. And we've got Al. Hello there. And tonight, we are in 2011. Before we get on to that, we need to ask, what have we all been listening to this week? So, Nick, do you want to start us off? Sure.
1: Uh, yeah, because I'm on holiday, I have been binging on music documentaries this week. So, Ooh. a couple of things. One was a documentary about Sleaford Mods called... Bunch of kunst from about 2017. Uh, and the other one, <laughs> probably further away, was a, a, a documentary called Echo Canyon, all about the Laurel Canyon scene in the 60s. It was a mm. film made by mm. uh, Jacob Dylan, who's gone back and interviewed all the musicians from that scene. And uh, also, they apparently recorded an album with modern artists covering those songs, uh, which is very entertaining. So it went from inner. City UK punk to idyllic 60s era harmonies. It's a remarkable journey. And the weirdest thing is how remarkably like his dad, Jacob Dylan, looks. It's just incredible.
2: (laughs) Because no one's ever looked like his dad before, right?
1: But wow, they are just absolutely spitting image. It's remarkable. Uh,
2: uh, I don't know what he looks like, so I don't know why I'm making fun of your statement. Like his dad. Um, Well, he looks like Bob (laughs) Dylan.
1: (laughs) <laughs> good
2: point good point i've never seen him is what i mean yeah I, uh, not that i don't know least, you'd recognize I, him in the supermarket i'd recognize his dad i don't know about him documentaries my favorite music documentary is anvil the story of anvil have you all seen that i'm sure we've talked oh, about i this love before. that film it's yes. wonderful it's not just my favorite music documentary it's one of my very favorite documentary films i've ever seen it's absolutely amazing have you all seen it apart from nick
1: I, went, I, saw, I, saw, I saw it in the cinema when it came out. Ooh. Just fantastic, absolutely fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, well, I'd recommend it. It's amazing.
0: So, Will, what have you been listening to?
3: Almost nothing, because it's Christmas. I, to- I took yeah. some time off. Esther showed me a YouTube video of my nephew, who goes by the name of Ratty Jack, and he's a rap artist, and he's been m- making music for... A couple of years now. He's got his SoundCloud and YouTube channels. And he'd just put out something that he'd actually gone into his studio to produce. It's called Slowly. And he actually did a little animated film to go with it. Which was good. But here am I, an old man, listening to rap. And, you know, kind of... I don't get it. I seriously don't get rap. I, I, I can... I can understand the way the words work and I can understand the fluency and the poetry of it but I guess it's not meant for me and why why should it be I can appreciate the musicality you know kind of all of that that was good but it's actually the what is talking about is what, the nothing to do with me yeah the... well yeah the subject it, it's not me okay is that just a kind of
0: disconnect with the youth of today thing, though, rather than uh, it's, the, it's not the music you've got a problem with, it's the Oh, no, the yeah, content. no, it's a
3: disconnect with the, with the youth. Or, and, and you get old, mate. Well, you know, I can't, I can't say I feel, I feel your pain because I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to pretend to. I still liked what it had done. It's just I can't connect to it that well. And, and that's a problem I think I have with all rap music. It started and ended with John Cooper Clark for me, I suppose. Who is our punk rap artist, if you like. Yeah, yeah, and still going strong.
2: What was his name again, Will? Ratty Jack. Ratty Jack. Ratty Jack. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick a link in the description. And yeah, maybe boost his audience figures by five. You, re- you remind me of, um, have, you, uh, have you seen, it's the very first episode of Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle where he's talking about toilet books. And um, is it Asher D from So Solid Crew? He's talking about his book. And he's talking about the rappers. It's very amusing. Uh, worth finding on the YouTube. Uh, and just basically being too old uh-huh. to appreciate what it's about. Uh, very much what Will's talking about. Very funny. I'm a fan of Strictly. Yeah. I don't hate everything.
0: Everybody thinks I do. What about you, Chris? Um, a lot of Christmas carols. <laughs> being Christmas and all that. That
1: <laughs> Chris Ria on repeat.
0: Yeah. Um, that's one of my favourite, that is. <laughs> driving home for Christmas. I listened to the absolutely awful Robbie Williams. Christmas album from a couple of years ago, and it is truly awful. There's, it's a collection of kind of half of them are cover versions, and the other half are new Christmas songs, and they're just dreadful. And I listened to the um, actually Charlie, my boy, bought me the Arctic Monkeys Live at the Royal Albert Hall album for Christmas this year, so I was listening to that, which was great just to kind of although it's not live music, but just to hear <laughs> hear the sound of a gig going down and a crowd cheering, and it was quite refreshing for that and also some great tracks on it. So, yeah, kind of enjoyed that. And what about you, Al? What have you been listening
2: to? Um, well, like Will, not a huge amount. This would be in Christmas, you know, travelling to uh, stay with parents and so on, um, which is very nice, but I haven't done much music listening. I've been listening to PJ Harvey, not just the album we're discussing later, but I got a couple of tunes stuck in my head. This is Love, so I was listening to a bit of uh, Swords from City, Swords from the Sea, and Man Size from Rid of Me. I was listening to Rid of Me. Rid of Me is a great album. It's... Uh, it's a real racket Steve Albini production and like everything's the wrong volume and sounds like it's been played with sandpaper and it's so abrasive and it's just yeah it's a great album I think 50 Foot Queenie is my favourite PJ Harvey song which is unread of me but the other thing I listened to while I was cooking Christmas dinner I I wanted something like comfortable that, uh, that I knew to have on and I put on Bruce Springsteen Darkness on the Edge of Town and um, that's a lovely Ooh, album, isn't it? Back. But then when it was finished and I was still nowhere near the cooking, I thought, because I promised you I'd do this, Nick, in our very first podcast, I put on Born to Run. Um, but also, obviously, by Bruce Springsteen. And it's a great album. It's absolutely fantastic. I've only listened to it once and I absolute winner. It's really, really, really good. I think it's probably somewhat better than Darkness and the Edge of Town. But you never know because sometimes stuff you like straight off, you end up finding a bit shallow but there's quite a lot going on in it it's quite interesting it's quite positive and uplifting and i think my favorite thing about it is that i mean bear in mind i'd never heard the song before so i wasn't i wouldn't have been able to do this on purpose but as the last song jungle land the last chord rang out as i put the last plates on the table to serve up dinner it was perfect timing that's why he's the boss right stuff like that (laughs) So um, <laughs> Born to Run, um, what a fantastic album. Uh, I wish I'd chosen that good. for our Podcast A, a good <laughs> album to cook Christmas dinner to. It really is, yeah. And the Christmas dinner was excellent. And I think that was probably
0: a bit down to Bruce Springsteen as well. Thanks, Bruce. What are we all drinking tonight? Nick, what's in your glass?
1: I have uh, some beer uh, from the Electric Bear Brewing Company in Bath apparently uh, and this was a gift from a neighbour across the road Uh, this is a west coast IPA called Same As It Never Was Uh and it's absolutely delicious I have to say
2: Nick can I ask a quick question Um, every time we do this you're just telling us about someone gave you the booze you're drinking, do you ever buy your own
1: alcohol? (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to mate (laughs) Apparently not, lucky you That's just a good point do you know, it's one of these things where we have been having socially distant drinks outside and uh, I've been such a great host and supplying the drinks that he keeps sort of deciding to return the favour by d- dropping beers on my doorstep oh, next sounds... day, oh, the next day. The gift he keeps on giving. Yeah.
2: What about you, Al? Well, I've I just poured myself the same Castle's double cream milk stout that you were drinking two weeks ago. Again, courtesy Ooh. of our good friend yeah. uh, Paddy McDay. From New Zealand. Um, hey, Paddy. Thank you very much, Paddy. Um, you know, keep sending, and we'll keep talking about you. And there's nothing, uh, nothing better. Absolutely, than
1: that, Paddy. Right? I yeah. drank, Chris dropped a bottle off. I drank it on Christmas Day. It was very enjoyable.
0: All those supplies have gone now, so we, we need we need another podcast listener to to drop off our next batch of. Um, or to be fair, the same wine. <laughs> drinks be okay. for the evening. <laughs> I
1: have to say, my neighbour across the street is brilliant. So,
2: is he a listener? <laughs> I'll make sure he does. Does he have my address? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. No, it is
3: a nice beer. It's a nice beer, that. It that is very nice, yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks, Paddy. And Will, you're off the wagon.
3: Um temporarily, yeah. I'm drinking a, a massive um, IPA from uh-huh. the Great South Bay um, Brewery on Long Island. Well, it says it's from Long Island. It could actually be from around the corner. I don't know. But it's actually a very nice uh, wee tipple, so very pleased with my good. choice very good after that i will be having the milk scat stout that we aforementioned <laughs> hey, totally.
2: oh. can i just jump in quickly nice. and, nice. and apologize to anyone who was listening to the last podcast for my crisp eating um when i listened to it back i was kind of disgusted by how much noise i was making <laughs> so i'm on the cashew nuts tonight sorry about that they are not exactly <laughs>
0: chewy though cashew nuts are they But they don't make they so they noise. a a crunch there um, the, crunch, the, the, yeah. uh, oh. the noise
2: I was making last time was terrible uh, I, I, I'm ashamed of myself Quite frankly um, So I thought Go for some nuts rather than some crisps Because you can't kind have of beer without a snack right? Maybe
0: we need to introduce the what are you eating section as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh
2: that's a good
0: idea Account for those sound effects Anyway let's get back on track I'm drinking since it's just gone Christmas We had lots of um, weird stuff like Bailey's and Kalua in the house Ooh. So the only solution was to make myself A white Russian
3: Nice. Cheers. Yeah.
2: Um, well, cheers, dude. call.
0: Cheers, everyone. So, a little musical break, and then I think Will's going to take us into 2011.
3: Okay, so 2011. Glastonbury, um, the premier uh, middle class. Festival event in uh, the UK. Beyonce did the uh, premiere finale. I didn't obviously go to Glastonbury because you're not sufficiently middle class. I, well, I didn't really want to say that, but um, <laughs> I did see her perform on telly, and uh, just an incredible performance, absolutely incredible. And so uh, for the for the royal watchers out out there, um, Will and Kate got married. Not long that long ago. That long ago. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, uh, part two, the final film of the uh, Harry Potter series, was premiered. We mentioned Stuart Lee earlier on. Um, Stuart Lee on Harry Potter books. <laughs> Anyone out there, just Google that and look at it on YouTube. Um, it's hilarious. And it also encompasses what I think about Harry Potter um, as well. So Tell yeah, me. Stuart Lee's Harry, on Harry Potter books. And I also read that Osama bin Laden um, was, um, was killed um, by U.S. Special Forces. And I did think to myself when I read that, uh, surely he was assassinated by U.S. Special Forces. And, and this is a terrible thing about us in the West. If we kind of go after someone that we don't particularly like, we kill them. If they do it to us, then they assassinate one of us. It's just double standards. It's not that I disagree with Osama bin Laden being assassinated, but it's just the way it's kind of termed. Like, it, it's okay was to not do that.
0: Still, was it not still part of the ongoing war, though, in which case it counts as a kill rather than an assassination? I think an assassination well, well, is a kind of targeted hit during yeah. peacetime.
3: But how can you be at war with a... you know he, he, Osama bin Laden and what he represented, he didn't represent a country. So how could we be at war with him? No, anyway, because yeah. the, 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 the war was against the
0: Taliban, wasn't it, at that point? But can you be I'm in a war with the
2: Taliban? Al- I mean, it's not a, they're not a country. I don't know. Anyway, you're listening to CB Politics Club.
3: You <laughs> 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 Okay, Again. so I'm going to move on. I am moving on. There was an earthquake and tsunami which affected um, and overran the nuclear reactor at Fukushima. Oh, I've got a story about that.
0: hmm I was supposed to be going to Japan. In fact, we mentioned our friend, mutual friend Jody before. We managed to secure some money from Channel 4 to go and develop a documentary. And Jody had arrived in Tokyo, and I was supposed to be going out two or three days later. And the night before I was supposed to go out, the earthquake struck. So it was all looking a little bit up in the air. And I think overnight, the tsunami had hit. So obviously things were getting particularly worse. And I was on the phone to Jody, and he was kind of like, well, we're still trying to make it happen. And then I got on the bus to go into town and was just about to go out to the airport when the nuclear power station went into meltdown. Are we actually going to meltdown? Anyway, it was severely overrun and was on the point, at which point we did finally decide to pull out and call the whole trip off. But it was just that escalating. Obviously, it was a dreadful event and a tragic loss of life. But from a personal point of view, it was just that ever escalating catastrophe. That just <laughs> as each step went along, the prospects of eventually going out there. Became I think even twenty-two thousand
3: people died as a result yep. of it, which is terrible. That's um, an amazingly large number. Yeah, it, th- mm. This, mm. Peti- this year in particular. I mean, a month earlier there'd been a a, a, a large earthquake in uh, New Zealand in Christchurch, and I can't remember that. There either. were several other major earthquakes throughout the year. Mm. The newspaper. The News of the World printed its last edition due to a prolonged campaign against it. And what followed in the UK was a a toilet paper shortage. But there (laughs) you go. Boom. (laughs)
2: Boom. (laughs) Again, you're listening to CB Politics Club.
3: (laughs) We had, in the UK, we had riots in Birmingham, Bristol, Liverpool over a police shooting of uh, a young man called Mark Duggan. Steve Jobs, um, the uh, CEO of Apple, um, died of um, pancreatic cancer. And we had the, I don't know whether you remember this, the Occupy Wall Street protests, where, where <clears> people sort of camped at Wall Street for three or four months, didn't they? Yeah. To um, try and bring to light the inequalities of of life. Um, and they had a uh, a big poster, which was my favorite all the time, uh, which just said, we are the 99%, which is quite pertinent. Lots of people died, lots of famous people died in 2011 Um, but the only one that would have mattered to me, no I don't mean that, the one that (laughs) struck me most was um, Amy Winehouse. In May, um, and I can't even pronounce it, the Grimstvaltin volcano erupted in um, Iceland. I remember which that, yeah. trapped travellers all over the world and it trapped me. I was in Montreal on a research trip and I, I couldn't get home um, and I didn't want to stay in Montreal because it's quite an expensive city so I negotiated for them to fly me out to um, Edmonton and I spent another couple of weeks in Edmonton with a friend until I could get a flight home. But in all, I was stranded in Canada for three weeks. And lots of other people had the same problems. And the last thing is a kind of technical thing about space travel, which I quite like. The space shuttle did its final mission before it was mothballed, which was, a, yeah, for a, for a young boy growing up building kits of this kind of stuff, I really did like the, the idea of the shuttle, if, if nothing else.
2: Yeah, same here.
3: That's my 2011.
2: What well, strikes me about it all is, and I realise this is just like, we're getting old, it's how recent it all seems. Some of that stuff yeah. I'm just thinking is, has only just happened and it's almost a decade now. And...
1: Uh, I, I've, I saw a space shuttle taking off. IRL. Oh IRL. Wow. In 1981, we went on a family holiday to Florida. We'd gone to, we did the Disney World bit and then went to um, Cape Canaveral. We were staying in a little motel nearby, and we got into this uh something of motel room. Turned on the the TV in the corner of the room, and it was, it was the news, and they were reporting live from Cape Canaveral on the launch of the shuttle. And we we watched it taking off. And my dad turned around and looked out the window, and there it was going wow. on. You could see it was just a few miles away, and so we sort of ran outside to 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 watch. And there was a rattlesnake sitting next to a little palm tree that was on the, on the sidewalk, which rose up and hissed at us. <laughs> scared <laughs> the living crap out of us. So we had to run back into the room again. Um, and my dad had to go to a reception and say, eh, there's a rattlesnake outside our room. And the guy in reception came along with a bucket and spade and whacked it over the head and took it off to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the end of to Rattlesnake. Yeah, apparently Rattlesnake what, was, a, a was a delicacy. Yes, apparently Rattlesnake was a delicacy. And so they were off to do that. A Good eating in that, apparently. Alright, is that our 2011? That
3: is our 2011.
0: So, um, Let England Shake by PJ Harvey is our album of this week. I chose this because I was trying to find an album that we might all like. It was one of the reasons. Oh dear. Well I know it's ever ever gonna be possible, isn't it? I knew this album and it had also done extraordinarily well for the year top various um albums of the year list. It won the Mercury Prize. Um for the second time Peter Harvey became the second only artist up to this point to win the Mercury Prize twice. And is quite an extraordinary and uh, and and um a dramatic piece of work. I suppose my knowledge of PJ Harvey started back with um, her... Well, it was kind of her first solo album. She had a couple of albums as PJ Harvey prior to that point, but that was, that was a kind of a band called PJ Harvey. And then her first album on her own was To Bring You My Love, which was when I first saw her performing on Later with Jules Holland when she was singing, I think, To Bring You My Love. And she just had a big wooden staff which she was pounding on the stage as part of the percuss- percussive beat of the track. And she just struck me as, as um, something quite extraordinary and dramatic and uh, worthy of attention. And very much loved that album. Haven't got all her stuff, but kind of pits up that. Songs from the City, Songs from the Sea. And then um, Let England Shape when it came out. And I think they're three very, very brilliant albums, in my humble opinion, that are treasured in my record collection. Let England Shake, very different from uh, her previous stuff. Obviously very rooted in themes of war. Um, It is her war album, if you like. Very politicised album. As we just heard from Will, it was quite a a fractious time. I suppose it comes on the tail end of Iraq, Afghanistan, wars. Um, It was written over two and a half years, apparently. um, though. So it's kind of not exactly rooted in, in specific events. And then recorded over two or three weeks, and yeah, came out to great, great, great critical acclaim. So I came back to it, although I had it, I hadn't listened to it for quite some time, and so I kind of came back to it with fresh ears. Well, I mean, that's that's a sort of an, a, 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 a rambling introduction to it. What what did you all think of it? And I will hold my opinion back. Well, Al, I I I I sense you weren't as blown away by it as you might have. Well. Been. Bit of background with PJ Harvey. I um I've
2: known PJ Harvey a bit longer also than you have. Uh, my first awareness was her second single "Stealing a Gig," which was obviously on her first album "Dry," and I thought it was great when the first I heard it. It's just I mean, there's it's not. There's nothing that special about it. It's just it's just a nice sort of quiet loud, quiet loud song with a good chorus, um, and it, you know it's, it's reasonably interesting what's going on. There, but it's it's a good chin, and I liked her from the off. Uh, I'm a very big fan of her second album, Rid of Me, which was the, the it's only the, as you said, it's only the first two albums that were done. Uh, with the trio <clears throat> and they were a very interesting band lots of like weird timing stuff goes on Ridderby particularly is quite a challenging listen it's Steve Albini production and like all Steve Albini productions the drums are very loud everything's the wrong volume and it's not like you'd expect it to be it's very in your face very abrasive uh, and I think it's great I'd never listened to Let England Shake before you chose us this album for us to listen to I, I really liked the first song I thought you know this is this is sounding alright to me but I found it quite hard work on that first listen because it it has a sound that it's sticking with from start to finish uh, and it doesn't sound like very many other albums really and actually one of the reasons for this is there's no bass on it, no one's playing bass at any point on the album uh, which is quite an interesting decision and gives it a very singular sound but yeah I, w- I wasn't blown away at first but uh, I will admit that it did grow on me. Yeah I'll, I'll hand over to someone else to give the uh, their initial views on it.
0: Yeah. First first impressions. First impressions, Will.
3: Um, well, I kind of looked up the album's bio um, and found out it was recorded in a church in Dorset. And this may be projected association, but the sound, you know, kind of both almost simultaneously muted and cavernous, kind of reminded me of the kind of noise you get in a church. And, and this might sound weird, but I, I felt let in to this album. I felt let in to the music as part of an audience of it. I think it's brave, brilliant song making, um, and it's a treasure. I, I love this album. This album got the best marks of all the albums we've done so far by a long way. Ooh. I have a tick I system. <laughs> I have a little tick system. I'm kind of a bit, bit like that. Um, so I give each song a tick. No ticks for not very good, one tick for good, two ticks for very good, and three ticks for excellent. And this album scored very well, very well.
1: And Nick, many ticks from Nick. Um uh, you know it's on first uh, impressions? Um, my first impressions are: I, I really enjoyed this album. I have avoided it actually for years, and I like you sort of come on board uh, early on with PJ Harvey. Really liked the the um, early stuff, but. There was something, I don't know I I think, and we're back to CB Politics Club, I think there was something about the time and the subject matter of this album that I avoided it at the time and I think it was I don't know if it's something about you ask a Scottish person to listen to an album about English colonialism and it's not necessarily something that I wanted to hear Uh I think (laughs) Uh, and I just kind of um, I don't know, I was a bit You basically, although you know, when I finally got to it this time around, it really kind of it really blew me away. Do you know know, as as the other Scottish person
2: here? I I think I mean, I think I probably felt that way about it a bit as well. There is a there's a it's a trait in every nation, I think, to to go on about yourselves a little bit, and there's no doubt you know, Scottish music revels in its Scottishness as well, but. I don't know. There is sometimes a thing about the English banging on about how much they hate the English. It can be a bit wearing. There's nothing particularly towards England. This album is not particularly guilty of that.
0: Although it's called Let England Shake, and various tracks, uh, there's Let England Shake and there's a track called England. Its overriding theme is war hmm. rather than England. I mean, there, there are there are tracks, there, there, there are more tracks about Gallipoli than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's... but
2: well, this is the point I was about to make, Chris. That yeah. yes, you are right about that, but. You know, it's called "Let England Shake." There's a track called "England." There's, you know, there's a track called "Let England Shake." The yeah, last yeah. living rose, this yeah. glorious land. You know, it does all seem a bit kind of English. Yeah. Um, and if you're not
1: English, it is. Just... And I think my problem at the time was I think the, a lot of the critical response to it was this is about England's place in uh, or Englishness in, in in the context of war. It's about our history, and it just didn't yeah seem like something I wanted to. Particularly, yeah,
0: I can understand that. Might connect be with that point. For so gonna, shh, this
2: is not Scottish chip on shoulder stuff or anything. Like it's just like I'm not English, you know. And even though I lived in England at the time, and I did, I you know I've lived in England for most yeah. of my adult no, life, back. you know, um, I'm not English, and it's just not necessarily that interesting. And and I think that actually it does do the album an injustice. It's, it's more interesting than
1: that. Well, I I would I, I think it is abs- absolutely is, and that's been my mm-hmm. response having listened to it properly and gone Uh, there's there is so much in this and it's such an interesting album and actually um it is it's so much more than it's not english it's global
0: yeah it's it's there's that kind of sense of deep deep historical past but i mean it's kind of it's it's it taps into it taps into english civil war it taps into first world war it taps into afghanistan it's got it's got it's kind of um draws its themes from from across all conflicts. But I spent one of the. Sorry, I didn't really get into my first. In, can I have a first impression of coming back to something? Of course you For can, the first yeah. First time in. Oh, yeah. In, in some time. I kind of. The two. Well, three things that struck me. One was that the, the music kind of. You know, it's quite often if you're making an album with such kind of stark subject matter that the subject matter, the, the content of the lyrics can kind of o- be, become overbearing on the, on the album. I think this didn't. The music is extraordinary and the music is. It's quite a warm album kind of instrumentally in a way that's in extreme contrast with the, the brutality and graphic nature of the lyrics but that that of overwhelming there's there's very kind of warm rich tones in the instrument instrumentation of it another thing that that really stands out for me in this album is the percussion not just the mm-hmm. drums but all sense yeah. of percussion it's just a deeply the percussion in the guitar playing, and in her voice um, but in the drums and the other percussive instruments that are used it's got a real kind of and it's not even kind of well. I suppose there there are essence of battle drums in it, but really, it's just that that just very very rich multi layered percussion. And the third the third is her her voice, which she does things with her voice in this album that is completely different from what she's done in previous previous albums. I mean, she's hitting. It's not even falsetto. It's just extremely high, almost kind of choral singing at points. Um, I think she was she was she has said. When talking about the maintenance album That her usual singing voice just didn't suit the songs at all So she had to kind of mm. find a new, a new voice When she recorded Let England Shake Which they kind of did in the recording studio But yeah, she does extraordinary things with her voice And those three things together You know, the content and the percussion And the voice just made for a remarkable album I thought, first impressions
1: I would agree with you Chris And actually, I think I read a review in the, I can't remember if it was The Quietest Where there was a, a line describing... As the the treasure chest rattle of percussion, mm. which I thought was just
0: perfect. Following on from our um, uh, long and rambling dissection of the drums on Prince's uh, Purple Rain, from, from I thought from that was laser I focused person. The opposite right. In terms <laughs> of the... <laughs> this is a
2: very different use of, uh, and of very percussion. much better use as well.
0: Is it worth rattling through it track by track? I'm happy. Yeah, to... if you'd like to, yeah. So the title track, first, what do you think about that? Title track, first track? Are you using up all your bullets to... No, I think it's often the best place to put
2: the title track. track. It's making
0: a statement, isn't it? Aye. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is, I mean, this this is what the album's about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the first lines Mm -hmm. of that song, it just are extraordinary. The whole, the West asleep the England
0: it, it was it was a surprising oh God, start the, the dominance of the xylophone yeah. as as your as you kind of main instrument all the way through it you know it just creates a very very extraordinary sound and but again works very very well it's that I think you were talking earlier about the lack of bass but the xylophone does the job of a bass guitar perfectly well in this track I,
3: I think you know interesting but as as a bassist I normally listen for the bass lines and I instinctively didn't even bother with any of these tracks and it didn't bother me and it didn't register because it, they just weren't necessary. And, and that's unusual for, for pop music, not to need a bass backing it up. And, and it was only when Al said there was not a bass that I went, oh yeah, you're right, no bass. It's something we were,
2: we were talking about I mean Chris you raised it with uh, When Doves Cry In the last podcast um, That it has no bass and that's unusual To have a whole album with no bass really is Just a bit weird But it works, God, consider yes it works. On Let England Shake, not Guitar Which is quite interesting as well There are some interesting yeah. instrumental choices I like stuff that's odd not, too, not necessarily too forcibly odd But yeah, you know, They're, not, they're, they're doing regular things in, in an irregular way Which that works for me yeah, it's a good tune. It's quite catchy. I couldn't get it out of my head for ages after the first listen, which is always a good sign.
0: It is, yeah. It's very catchy. There's one bit that's really, that's always kind of... Um,
2: Second verse. when the Trouble me on this track. There's the a... vocal cut.
0: Yeah, where there's... A, it almost sounds like an overdub of a vocal cut. And when I, when I first heard the album on CD, I thought there was a scratch mm. or a blip on my CD, but obviously every version of it has the same. And I don't know why I can't it's there. understand
2: that either. It's a very... Um, it sounds like a mistake in the editing, doesn't it? No,
0: yeah. but I can't believe it would have been a mistake in the in the production because everything else yeah. is so flawless all the way through. It so a deliberate choice, but it is. It sounds like a yes. Yeah. I, I
2: agree with you. It's a, it's I'll a very up. very odd thing. Don't know. Uh, and every time I've listened to it, it's I've have forgotten about it, and then it happens, and I'm like, wasn't you know, just don't expect it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. weird, man.
0: Because it's not even an addition of an extra word. It kind of it it it, it it's like a stumble of the timing. It knocks the timing yeah. out ever so yeah. slightly.
2: Um, and a vocal like changes pitch it, it, like it, instantaneously. It, it but the it's, it's obviously an editing thing, but yeah. it's whether it's yeah. been done deliberately or whether they did it and it sounded weird and decided to keep it. I don't know, but it, 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 yeah, it's fine. Yeah, maybe so. It's fine. Maybe they recorded it to tape, and maybe it is an actual tape splice. I so I don't know. It wasn't there? Uh, but yeah, that's a good song, isn't it? Very good opening. Uh, really it is, Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the yeah very strong opener, I like that at the start of an album. Two yeah. kicks. <laughs>
0: Two takes. Um, and that's followed by Last Living Rose. Again, good song. With the interesting opener, Goddamn Europeans Take Me Back to Beautiful England. Yeah, <laughs> But then it goes on to list a litany of everything that's awful <laughs> about England. There's no, just on the lyrics, there's, again, it's one of those albums that, 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 that there are bits of choruses, but on the whole, it kind of defies the usual convention of verse, chorus, verse yeah. um, set up through oh, the songs. Yeah. The songs develop as they go along quite often End very dip- differently from how they yeah. started, but in terms of any kind of conventional, and a structure. lot of them are
2: very brief as well, which I quite like. They don't overstay their welcome, yeah, very you know, they, sure. they make their very point, sure. and then that's good enough. Yep. They, don't, uh, they don't, they don't, they never get preachy in that sense. Where you think that a lot of, um, a lot of artists yep. writing songs like these, they would be like eight, nine minutes long where they really made their point, and there's none of that here. It's all quite understated, actually, which I really do appreciate about it
1: other thing i really yeah. liked about this song was the saxophone oh yeah it's brilliant the 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 brass uh, coming in um, is really fantastic uh, yeah it's absolutely fantastic yeah. and i love the yeah. way it, it's quite rough and I, yeah, like the I brass this. is
2: quite rough in the recording in the mix um you know quite raw and i really quite like that about it because too often you hear a saxophone recorded it's it's so smooth you know and i hate that i used to really hate the saxophone because yeah. it was always so goddamn smooth it was always kenny g style you know and uh, and this is like the the antithesis of that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. It's really good. You're right, Nick. It's
1: um, special. Uh, and and she, I I think she was playing it. She just learned. She, she was just yes. learned to yeah.
2: play. Actually, no. She um she's always played saxophone. Yeah, apparently she played sax in her first band she was ever in. Um, she's a proper multi instrumentalist. Oh, okay. She's one of a David okay. Bowie like figure. She can pretty much play anything. Um he was a saxophonist as well originally wasn't he so yeah
0: but there is sax all the way through this album and again it's one of those instruments that substitutes the bass is that because uh, it's generally you know it's not your it's not what you think of as your traditional sax solo it's 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 there as tones long yeah kind it's, of it's deep,
2: a horn section i mean there, there's earthy there's trombone there with it all the time as a, well which it's a horn section uh-huh. it sounds great yeah but you know it's not done in a in a smoothly produced style, which I really like about it, it's, it's sort of that sort of roughness
0: kind of suits the overall vibe of the album. I think, but I think that's where some of the warmth that I was talking about comes from. Those those tones of the you know the the use of the xylophone and the saxophone gives it that real kind of earthy warmth, mm. um, which, which which does form a, a a very kind of strong opposition to the the, the kind of brutality yeah. of the lyrics. It, it kind of it's a nice warm bed for it all to sit in. The endings as well are extremely definitive. You know, stuff just stops yeah. with, with a purpose
3: rather than peter out. Yes. It, it's funny that I, I normally, when we do this, I, I write a bit of a note of, of every track. And I've barely, apart from track eight, In the Dark Places, I've not written anything. I've just actually just... so just ticks, is it? ...sat back and enjoyed this. I've just enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Um, there's nothing to. Well, there's obvious things to say are brilliant, but it would be almost like picking stuff out that belongs together. And and it's it is weird. This album's one of the few albums that actually has shut me up. Mm. I haven't got anything to say. I can tell you my takes, but other than that, track by track, I haven't got much to say. Oh, it shut so me up. This, the, what about good? the glorious land?
0: trap three with the uh, two ticks the, <laughs> yeah I love the I love the um, I presume it's a bugle in this, yes oh, in the oh, rallying the bug- call bugle yes. calls and the- which again is remarkable because it shouldn't work it's so no. at odds with the rhythm of the tune and it's dropped in and it's used kind of four or five times repeatedly but it, it against all the odds it fits perfectly with the the, the, the rhythm and the beat it's remarkable
1: there's, I think that's hap- that happens a few times in the album where you're sort of coming in with things, you're not sure if everything's in time or and it sort of settles in. You yeah. know we we'll talk about England the track later, but kinda of things settle down together and suddenly they hit their groove and you're right, they do
3: settle down, don't they? And they they take the time. Again, it's the extraordinary nature of these songs that we allow it to we to skate. Yeah, that's okay. How many other musicians would be allowed to, to have a tune up on stage, more or less? Yeah, that's just brilliant. I, 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 think, I think it's, it's well, well done so. because
2: it's not in time with the music, but they've managed to, they've managed to get it in time, even though, you know, it, it, it's different time signature, you know, and it, and it just they, it, it fits. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's very imaginative. I, I like it. Um, it's jarring, but it works.
1: I think imaginative is is really interesting because I think it was at this point in the album, and we get into the when we get into the next song, when I started to think really differently about what, or started to understand that this was, this was not just you know a musician releasing an album of with a bunch of their latest songs. This was uh, a concept, a piece of art that was made, being made that went beyond you know individual songwriting that that was it was conceptual in the way that she was thinking about the music, about the the lyrics, about her vocals, about the theme, and all of it was, you know, kind of really much more powerful. And it almost, it's like this is her war musical, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah, there's yeah. something about that, and I think that, that really kind of came with the next song, but it was starting to, it was that, that sort of feeling was starting to come to me in this song her voice her voice
0: does some very odd things on this one that pronunciation of america and ingola ingola america it's it's just but it's quite an intense song as well
2: it's it's (laughs) Picking up syllables. Um, I like it. it. It builds quite well to the end as well, and I think it's yeah. one of those. This happened quite a lot. Uh, my first few listens to the album, where there were quite a few of them. When he started off, I was like, uh, I'm "Not sure if I like this one." Before getting to the end of it and thinking, "Actually, yeah, I do." Like every single time, I did the same thing, and and uh-huh. I just there's uh-huh. good, there's quite good dynamics in it, and I think that's quite difficult to achieve without a bass as well, because you are missing that frequency range in large part and that's often the thing that you know drives a song forward and, and makes it powerful so that's just very clever yeah well done it's one of the things I don't uh, I thought this when I was like investigating you know later on when we do our number one our favorite number one single of the year is that the mainstream pop music by this time is just all bass you know there's nothing else going on in them really at all and it's really refreshing to hear something that isn't just like bass all the time I, you know, I, I like guitars and I like the mid-range instruments that make big clanging noises are noisy rather than just loud. And no, although this no, is not a noisy album, it does get fairly noisy at times, I suppose. But um, it's it's just really refreshing to not have a bass farting all over me all the time.
0: The other thing that this album does have is a lot of male, quite bassy backing vocals, um, which, again, maybe fills that, that gap. There's a, there's a lot of deeper harmony. And there's a lot of space for
2: it again. Just because of. Farting your, over you. Yeah.
0: Well, I just feel that way about, yeah. like,
2: you know, bass. It's, it's everywhere. Farting over I like you. The Mono bass in the middle and not, like, spread all over everything and not. Yeah,
3: it, 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 it's, yes,
2: it's like farting over me. It's like, oh, I see
3: what you mean. It's just
2: overpowering and it's too much.
3: Because I make you sound good. Boring. Just remember that. I make you sound good. You make everyone sound good, Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Hey. That, was a, that was a compliment. Uh, uh, boom!
0: <laughs> it was.
3: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So the next, the next, the next track is the only one on the album that does have some bass. Uh, was it? Make it, does it have a bass on it? Yeah, it does. According to the track listing. Well, how about that? I, I, okay, I, I
2: didn't hear any bass. Bass and bass. I didn't harmonica. hear any bass in it, but the, there you go. As I say, I wasn't. What there. a
3: shame that a bass should ruin a good song.
2: Yeah, it's a pity. I really liked it up to that point. <laughs> um uh
3: again well, another two ticks yeah, from me yeah
1: really good this is an extraordinary song this is the part where i thought actually we're getting into sort of really clever musical territory because this is a a song that's really cleverly constructed that's pieced together as a piece of art that um i like the, the the sort of call and response thing made it gave, gave uh-huh. it that sort of Musical
2: vibe. I like the Eddie Cochran bit at the end, referencing something, something something blues. Blues. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. What was that? Yeah, was that what if we take a problem what we a a for the United Nations? It's like a punchline.
2: It's just a bit
0: kinda... humour, but it's a tough placement of it, though, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, and probably a political statement probably fit right in in our podcast. Um, yeah. it, the only the the biggest problem I'm seeing here is that we're all just being like, yeah, this is all really good. Boring. Can we have an argument about something?
0: I know. Well, I did think actually. I did kind of think when I chose this this album that maybe it was just too good. And if we're all going to be in a, if we're all going to be in agreement, it's not going to be quite as interesting as if we'd have chosen something a bit more
1: jarring. But um, it's nice. It's nice to agree occasionally the biggest thing for me was kind of you know you've been asked to figure out what your favorite album of the year is and i'm kind of yeah. having to rethink that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To and it's uh, an extraordinary thing but actually the thing that was really interesting and particularly about this song was the bit where i this is the where i really started to think this is just a piece of conceptual art that is really different um, from any of the things that we've listened to up until this point this is uh, this is this is an artist it's bigger than songwriting Uh, it's bigger than making music this is just this is a really conceptual piece of art which is i think a staggering achievement for well for anybody but i think just it's just it's the same Nick
2: song all all, and everyone which is like first gallipoli song i think and and again we're not going to argue about this are we it's it's this is my favorite one so far it's fantastic um sad heartbreaking really stuff. just yeah, do you know was I, this was
1: actually probably the song i would least connected with oh. uh on the album I've, I've read my note was more death and misery
2: yeah what well, was but, that um, was that not your note yeah, for every but... song after track one because
0: <laughs> 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 it was mine <laughs> this is where this is where the death and brutality really kind of comes to the yeah. fore, isn't it the the absolute slaughter on the on the shores of
1: yeah, the anchorage. but
0: again the words don't overburden the music it's still a, a tune of some beauty even though the content is is absolutely pretty horrific. much every listen of the album i haven't necessarily played that i haven't paid close attention to the words
2: you can hear them and you know you can pick up and a lot this
0: of, one's harder to avoid to... with lines like death was everywhere yeah. it's just you know it's it's, it's... Of
2: course, but it doesn't, yeah, it, you don't have to wallow in the misery. You can still just appreciate it for being lovely music that's with nice yep, vocal yeah, melodies. Yeah, I, don't,
0: I think that's my point. I think, one of my points, I don't think this album does wallow in misery. It lays bare the yeah. horror and brutality and absolute pointlessness of war, but it's not a wallowing in misery album. It's not a miserable album. It's a powerful album. It's a, It's an album which rages, against pointless yeah. wars but it's in no way wallowing in its misery, it's, it's, it's quite the reverse it's angry, it's, 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 it's incensed, it's poetic in its brutality. Yeah, it, it's not preachy I think that's the most important thing about it, it's just it's detailing some really
2: horrible stuff without, you don't have to then go on and tell us that war is bad, people who don't realise that already are idiots the same, same thing with On Battleship Hill it's, you know it's more of the same, it's more Gallipoli and it's more horror remarkable singing on this song as well
3: Yes,
0: the the vocals go right off the scale yeah. on this stuff. Yeah, they do. They? And I love that um, whatever that the brushes. sound
3: is that's going on there. It's that, those two tracks, all like, and everyone, off. and Battleship Hill, were the two tracks on the album. We got three ticks from me. Really? which means excellent. Like, kind of, it doesn't get much better than than this. <laughs> Good stuff. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. songs.
0: It's kind of the whole album has a bit of a sort of. It's weird. It's got a, it's got a very sort of folky yes, music feel really to it mm. in a weird way. Even though it's none of it is in the least bit folk, and I d- again, I don't know whether that is part of the sort of subject matter, because they're not really, although they're not at all playing folk instruments in any kind of folk style. But it does have that kind of folk. No, I don't know. I agree with you entirely there,
2: because I think like the words that maketh murder is does seem very sort of trad folk to me, and so does the color of the earth. It's it's got that kind of it's very sort of folky sound to it as well. Uh, but I, I think the album does it as a whole. It's not very trad folk, no. It's not. Um, I can't think of the end the name of any trad folk English bands to uh, contrast it with Steel Eye Span.
1: <laughs> I was thinking more about um, uh, some of the stuff that done by Kate Rusby. I don't know who um, that is, and to sort of uh, in the noughties probably even in the late '90s, been um, reinterpreting old English folk songs right. and. Um, I don't. Did you ever see uh, the TV series Shark? Yes. With, where they were well, sort of bit, in Napoleonic... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, thinking. I know the one. I never saw it, yeah. but I know what you mean. So in, in that, they would have various folk songs on the soundtrack which were mimicking that, and they would be done by modern artists, and I think Kate Rusby sang a couple of things in that vein. There were sort of neop- uh, Napoleonic-era folk songs that were sung by... The military, so and a lot, a lot of the imagery in that would be, kind of stuff that probably influenced P. J. Harvey, I would think, in some of those old English uh, folk songs. So I've heard those things done in that style, and it is very evocative of that. The whole, the we're talking about Gallipoli, and we're talking about the two world wars, and we're talking about Afghanistan things. But actually, I think some of the imagery goes further back to the Napoleonic Wars and things like that and it was all very old and you know I've lost the track of what we're yeah. talking about now other than uh, those kind of old English folk, yeah, folk, the folk, music, music, folk music stuff groups. but I think Kate Rusby has kind of done that stuff in a modern style and it's the instrumentation on that is a, is not dissimilar to some of the stuff that's going on here yeah
2: I, I think that um, young men dying pointlessly in wars is a pretty timeless thing isn't it
1: but often as you
0: say it's very, it's very it's done very kind of preachy and yeah. kind of route one whereas i think they she does it here with a with a kind of poetry and subtlety that as you, as you said it's not it's not the least bit preachy it's a or it's, it's more just really a statement of
2: yeah it's it's like a if I could fact, make, fact, maybe not very good without. comparison it's like going to uh sort of war photography exhibition or something like that where it's just simply detailing how things are yeah. or how things were Rather than you know, there's no uh, sensationalising of anything. It's just like this is what it was like, and it's not preaching. It's just telling.
0: The war photography is quite interesting because there's there's a whole load of videos that go with this album by a guy Mm -hmm. called Seamus Murphy, who was a war photographer in Afghanistan. And I'm sure you've all read the same blurb as I have. But PJ Harvey went to see his exhibition and then started a conversation with him and then collaborated on. A whole suite of um, films that go along yeah. with these tracks. I'll sit and watch them all today. Well, it's inter- It's kind of bits of performance, very kind of intimate performance, mainly PJ Harvey in a cottage playing bits of instruments and occasionally other bits of the band. Um, but lots of scenes of England, really, and occasional little flicks of, of kind of battlefields, but on the whole kind of atmospheric flicks of, of England. But they do add, worth, worth watching mm-hmm. if you haven't, they do add an extra layer of interest to what's already a very interesting and multi-layered yeah. album. Worth watching.
2: I, I was aware of the connection I'll, I'll continue to set them up and you can keep knocking them down, yeah
0: I am. That's where it goes. <laughs> If this was a vinyl album that would have been the end yeah. of Side 1 and then we flip over to England first track on Side 2 It's a bit of a change of pace with this one My least favourite on the album um, I'm not right. a big fan of this song I agree, this is the point where the album started to slightly dip
1: I think this was a really interesting idea with the sort of Kurdistani woman wailing in the the background and it's mm-hmm. sort of sort of like this was the other one where it was it starts out of time and then slowly yeah kind of yeah. comes together and and actually I it's, it's do you know this is the bit where it, talking about musical but this is sort of almost c- cinematic you can kind of mm-hmm. see this happening and yeah like, a it, very it sounds
2: like a film
0: cinematic way I suppose, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's the i think it's
0: the 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 it's one of the hardest tracks because it's the least melodic in her voice and it is you know her you mentioned the kurdistani woman wailing in the background and Peter Harvey's delivery is almost a wail yeah. in the foreground yeah. it's it's you know there's no real kind of melody no real song going on there there's a deep sadness that she's she's kind of letting out there but it's it's not my favorite song but it's one of the most powerful songs on the album i think powerful mm. tracks rather on the album
3: I, I thought it was a very good track and i kind of liked the way it built how many ticks two
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> In dark places, again, starts very, very small and sparse and builds into something quite extraordinary by the yep, end of it. Yeah, big fan of this one. Uh,
1: yeah, great, sort great of quite dynamics. A bluesy yep. thing. Great horn. Mm-hmm. Like, love the big horns at the end. Yeah.
2: What, what's your view on this one, mm. Will? Did you have anything interesting to say about this?
3: Nothing. <laughs> How many ticks? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a three ticker. Just a brilliant, brilliant song without being um you know normally you say brilliant song This is the kind of song that you know is is the obvious single off the album bloody blah, blah 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 but it just was perfect this is my favorite song off the album
2: this is so boring can we we're just agreeing about everything yeah we're just yeah well that was always yeah. the danger wasn't it but is
0: it bit, bits of branches the next track this 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 was the one for me that sounded most like the PJ Harvey that this I knew. Is,
1: this, sound, this sounds actually like Kamikaze from Stories from the City. I, I hate
2: this one. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't really. <laughs> Just trying to <laughs> inject a bit of controversy <laughs> into the whole affair. Um, I don't hate this one. Hate it? How can you say that? I like this one.
0: Um, Not my
2: favourite, but it's good. I, re- I mean, I really yeah. like
1: this one.
0: This is a, this is a strong one. Again, vocal delivery and the kind of arrangement with it was a lot more kind of old school. PJ Harvey, I think. Um, but
1: in a I great mean, the, way, yeah. yeah I, mean, good I think the, the guitar track. line is just is a rip off from Stories from the City, to be honest. But she's ripped herself uh, off. She's ripped if herself. If you can't off. rip
0: off yourself, like exactly. you yeah. Rip off. And yeah. at least if
2: you sue yourself, win or lose, you get all the money. It's beautiful.
1: <laughs> Pretty sure if you do that, the lawyers get the money, right? <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> just really <laughs>
2: represent yourself on both
0: sides of the court.
1: Oh, that's true. In your own courtroom, <laughs> yeah,
0: in your own courtroom. We should rattle through these because we're all we're all in too much agreement. We should get onto the more contentious
3: stuff. Something that you've, you've, I think you've all said, is the second side isn't as good as the first side, and it goes kind. Apart from track eight uh, and maybe track ten uh, hanging in the wire, for me, it's still good songs. <laughs> but not the same quality as side one. And so paling in, in their glory, as it were. So, I don't
0: know that I agree. I with think, putting, putting
2: I did think
3: about this because my first listen to was
0: that, yes, it did fall away halfway through, but then I listened to it a few more times. And I, I think all the, it's just simply that the, the, the second half is, is quieter and more sparse. And the, the, there's a lot of kind of, War drums in the first half and there's a lot more just kind of space in the second half of it. I totally um,
3: and utterly disagree with what you've just said, Chris.
0: Because the next, the next song, Hanging on the Wire, that's like a hymn. I mean, it's a, it's a thing of fragile yes. beauty. It's absolutely... It's one that the first couple of listens to, it just kind of washed over me. But actually sit and listen to it it's it's
1: absolutely great i
2: think my view on the first half second half apart from england is the one song on the album that i don't really like very much and and i don't hate it i mean not not to the point where i'd skip it but i think it is the weakest song but i don't think the second half that side is weaker i think that the whole album listening to it start to finish it gets a little bit fatiguing and that's not because the songs are weaker it's just because it does have such an unusual sound to it. And although I think that's a good thing, I think it can make the listen quite tiring. Uh, but I've said this about albums before when we've done them, that I found it quite difficult to listen to albums start to finish and actually pay attention to it, because. It's just a little bit too much to take in and I, I think that if you split it into these two halves, actually it's got more of an emotional pull the second half, I think, than the first half does although musically it's maybe a bit more powerful. Yeah. A bit more in your face the first half. Written on the forehead, the second last song, is, is a little bit different from all the others with that um, let it burn thing that's going on in the background. It does uh, get, the song's a bit different from everything else
0: Yeah, that let it burn sample really Kind of embeds itself in your in your head. I don't know where it comes from, and it does feel very different. But I thought I didn't realize it was taken from something else. No, it it, just, it, no, it's I something think from like another another layer. It. Of, uh,
2: oh, it's Blood and Fire by uh-huh. it's a, Um it, Yeah, so where it comes from.
1: Reggae thing. Not yeah. familiar with that, but you know, actually, th- that this song, that song, really kind of seemed evocative of that of the multicultural Britain. Of 2011, that was where you were kind of. I was about to make the same being point. Yes. The folky album.
2: Yeah, it made me think. I mean, I used to live in Dalston, and East London people would say, but it's North London really, um, and it's extremely multicultural. You know, that area has the largest turkish population outside of turkey in the world and there's an awful lot of west africans there as well and an awful lot of caribbeans as well and it just you know ridley road market there is a real melting pot and it made me think of that really you know the the sort of very white englishness of pg harvey's music combined with the the very black music sample um and you know it's a positive thing i think that's great and you know the, the at the same time the you know the song is decrying our behavior abroad um and our murdering of you know foreign people with different colored skin and so on and it it makes it a more powerful statement i think it's uh it's a very strong so it's not it's not the best song on the album but it, uh in some ways it's got the strongest message i think um no it probably doesn't but it's one of the strongest messages on the album i would say it's it's very good very clever very intelligent the whole album is though So
0: I got it up there was one of my favourites probably not quite my favourite but it's, it's, it's up there yeah, in the top three I think, this
2: one. Um, The Colour of the Earth the last song was uh, first listen and I think also second listen when it started because is, this is the other sort of folksy uh, sort of English folk music kind of one uh, and I kind of like, you know, I rolled my eyes a little bit at it because it's just so bloody English to have a song like this on your album, you know. Um, but it's brilliant. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's it's really brilliant. It's a standout uh, on an album of standouts. It's it's great. Mm. It's sad. Uh, and also when I when I listened to it earlier and I actually paid attention to what the lyrics were and sort of read them as I was doing it, it really it brought a tear to my eye. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It's it's a pretty mighty piece of work, really.
0: Musically, this reminded me of um, Venus in Furs. Did right really? Now. I mm-hmm. think just that kind of the bunch, yeah yeah the kind of the little I don't know what that that thing is called, but the the percussion percussion on it was um, yeah that's what it took me to.
2: Oh, interesting. And, uh, well, never occurred to me, but I'll bear that in mind on the listen next listen. Listen, yeah, listen again.
0: yeah. So I I kind of feel I've done a disservice by choosing an album that we all think is I disagree. pretty good. Whereas obviously this chat's far more entertaining if there's No. <laughs> this chat's far more entertaining if um if if there's a bit of a disagreement over no, I don't. But I mean it's it's yeah, it's I think it's just an astonishing album and uh, I think it's well deserving of its of its um of its position uh in the top of all those best of twenty eleven lists. Um and I think e- equally nine years later it still sounds extremely strong. It's not something that that has diminished over time. It's still as relevant now. Um, it's still as musically interesting now as it was nine mm-hmm. years ago.
3: The fear for me in music is almost daily there are songs being recorded, produced or put out that are lost, <laughs> um, let alone the, the the great stuff that I'm actually missing because I can't listen to it all. And I will admit I missed this album in 2011. Um, Because it kind of went under the radar at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, as as we'll discuss in the next few minutes, I I wasn't very fond of 2011 musically. Um, So I I was having a bit of a downer on it. um, And so I missed this one. I've always thought of the Mercury Prize as slightly elitist um, and, and not for a working class boy like me. So.
2: I think the Mercury Prize is is nonsense. Um, I'm actually put off an album by even being nominated for it, which is completely unfair, I know. But <laughs> the fact that this won it in no way says to me, but hang on, hang great- on, yes, yeah, some Sorry. great, I know. But M people won it as well, right? And you're not going to tell me that Elegant Slumming is a <laughs> classic for the ages, are you?
3: Um
0: <laughs> it, it, the, there you go. That's
2: this is the what we That's one exception
0: want. that proves the rule. I mean, we've had what? 25 years of They're purposes. nearly all and political, the awards. One year. There's 24 This doesn't make
2: albums. them bad albums, but the the awards are political, as such awards always are. And I just can't be bothered with it.
0: Badly Drawn Boy won it for Bewilderbeast Trip. Great that, album. So that's, that's big, big fan of lead it. Yeah. Enough. Um, proof, proof enough that it's a
1: valid. I though. just
0: I just don't. Words are nonsense. I hadn't
1: <laughs> looked at the. Uh, nominees for twenty eleven un- until right now. Uh, what else was uh, Adele, twenty one. Uh, k t b B, James Blake, Anna Calvi, King Creosote, and John Hopkins. Oh, nice! Uh, which, uh-huh. which talking? Would, I remember
2: nomination, which is never going to win. Well, never has.
1: Well, but John Hopkins, who's sort of on that kind of electronic thing as well, that was that was a really interesting album
2: yeah anyway i disagree with you chris about this this being a bad choice because for for several reasons one part of the reason we started doing this was to discover new stuff and to introduce each other to stuff that we didn't know and although I, i was familiar with pg harvey i'd never listened to this album and although i was kind of pretending i didn't like it before we started talking about it i think it's fantastic it's i wasn't convinced on my first listen Found it a bit annoying to be honest, but uh-huh. it's not just grown on me. I think it's wonderful. Uh-huh. I think it is absolutely it is deserving of all the album. products it's received, uh, of winning awards, of whatever. It's a great album. It's also reminded me that I think that PJ Harvey is a great artist. She's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, uh-huh. I'm always, I, you've heard me banging on about this before about women in music and how they have to conform to certain male ideals in order to be successful and she's never done that and she is just her own self um it doesn't matter that she's a woman she's just a musician uh and there aren't enough women that are like that and who are allowed to be like that and she is brilliant she is absolutely brilliant she is i you know i think she used to be a, bit of a musical hero of mine i just i say i, I kind of went off her um and just found her a bit mainstream uh and it's completely unfair she's absolutely brilliant um so thank you for even though this might be the really boring listen For which I have to apologise to everyone listening. Um, It's still been great to hear a great album, and I I hope we convince people to listen to the album if they don't know it. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah,
0: I think there's 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 a lot to be said for enthusiasm, isn't there? And I think we have enthused over this album, and rightly so, because it is a work of 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 goodness and greatness.
1: Welcome back to 2011, and I um, thought we'd have a chat about our favourite albums of 2011. It was an interesting, year, lots of good stuff. I'd like to hear what you boys liked. going to start with you, Al. Well. What was your favourite album? 2011 was a bit of a black
2: hole for me. Um, I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't listening to many of the albums that came out. Um,
0: yeah. Me, me there's similarly. a lot of
2: stuff there when I was having a look at stuff that was released there's a lot of stuff by bands that I think I probably would like if I knew them but I don't and I was going to go for um, El Camino by the Black Keys as my favourite uh, it's a, it's not a great album but it's a good album it's got Little Black Submarines on it which is uh, a cracker um, but I'm not a huge fan of it but uh, like all, of all the stuff it was the one I was thinking that it's the best but actually my album of the year is uh, PJ Harvey Let England Shake it's better than El Camino. Hands down, it's better. So um that's my album of the year. Um number one single was a bit more difficult. And um I did give them all a listen. And um I it's not easy listening. No, is it? that that's that's not the term I'd have used. Um really the only one that I remotely like was uh, Price Tag by Jesse J, which is which was a great chorus. Um, attached to an optically good verse But um, it is a really catchy chorus um, But when you're That dreadful sort of Negging One Direction song Is one of the best number ones of the year You know you're not in a classic year for number ones yeah, I found it quite depressing Just how similar so many of the songs were And just how little Variety there was in the types of music That was being obviously bought in big numbers But well that's just the way it is right Um This music, I'm already an old man in the eyes of the kids by this point and um, it's not aimed at the likes of me, so can't complain.
3: Don't mind the Jesse J song. Exactly. What about you, Will? Album of the Year, um, Wasting You um, by the Foo Fighters. And the Foo Fighters are a weird band for me because I'm determined to like them, although I struggle to really like them, but I I keep going. And here's the reason why... you Have a guess why I keep going with the Foo Fighters. Is it because you like Dave Grohl? He's a nice man. I knew you'd say that. It's the nicest man. I, like I knew you'd say a that. a nice man. <laughs> or is it Rock? Yeah, it's not the reason. Nice the reason is they've got the coolest band name in, that's ever been invented in the universe. Um, so I keep going with them. And also because Dave Grohl is such a nice man. I don't, I don't really rate their name. What? what? What is
0: Foo Fighters? Foo Fighters?
3: It's an early term for UFO, before we start
2: calling them UFOs. Foo Fighters, yeah, yeah, it's cool. quite a good name for a band, I think.
0: Oh, they've they've just they've they've gone up ever so slightly in my estimation, but still not enough to really like them.
2: I I want to like the Foo Fighters as well, but I I've, I've just never really heard anything by them that I thought was better
3: than alright. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. So that was my album. As far as the single is concerned, um, pass. Absolute pass. (laughs) I I, I am not putting anything in. I was quite tempted to pass. It was so well, number one single. It was so, so. Yeah, and and bad. Bad isn't a word. I want to use bad on music. It was so ordinary, so ordinary, and and so manufactured and boring, and and lacking of any heart and soul and energy. What a terrible year.
1: Mm -hmm. Boo. Shame on you, 2011. Okay. Thank you. Well, so the t- the the Foo Fighters thing. The only thing about that is go and listen to the song "Big Me," which is Dave Grohl's attempt to write a teenage fan club song. Okay. And apparently, he's a big fan, and uh, when you listen to that, you will you you'll you'll get it. Right. Cool. Um, uh, which is great. Uh, okay, Chris, what have you got for us in 2011? Favorite album.
0: Well, similarly to Al, I think 2011 was one of those points where I just wasn't really getting into new music. Um, I think I was probably listening to a lot of six music rather than uh, going out of my way to to buy new stuff for myself. So uh, I I was looking back through my stuff, and I think I did only buy two albums (laughs) that year, and one of them was Let England Shake. Um, But the other one... um, at the risk of repeating myself, because I've already done a bit of an Arctic Monkeys thing earlier today, uh, was Suck It and See, which was Arctic Monkeys' fourth album, I think. And is is it's not my favourite Arctic Monkeys album, but I listened to it again the other day and it has got some brilliant tracks on it. Um, so I think that has to be my favourite album of 2011. In terms of number one single of that year, I, I did, again, I listened to all... God, there were loads. It seems the further the further through the years you get, the more singles make it mm, to number for one a week. for a shorter amount yeah. of time. And I, I, kinda, I did the top 40. Um, and then I looked at the indie number one to see if that was any better, and it was pretty much the same. There's some weird point where the indie chart and the mainstream chart... So the indie chart was dominated by Adele, um, with a bit of example. And the mainstream chart was dominated by a deal with a bit of example, um, and I really couldn't choose. I like to
2: think of example as being a young Walter Matto, <laughs> 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 so he looks a little like,
0: <laughs> and I like him. I like him more when I think of him that way.
3: Well, yeah, I think I would too.
0: Um, I'm just going to refresh your mind. I I would quite like to bike at it as well, but that seems a bit wrong. One of the few songs... That, oh, I'm not even going to go for Adele. I hate that Adele song. Pass. I mean, awful. you can pass. It's not a bad song, is it? It's not... A, uh, yeah, but compared to everything else that was you there. You can pass. No, no.
2: It's awful, the Adele song.
0: Ah. It's just shouting at the top of the lungs. Well, I'm left with Military Wives
3: wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a that.
1: bad stream of the album. That brings, wives, the, that brings a tear to Gareth my below. eye, that one, does, Chris, that means we, <laughs> was, we have to um, put that on the... T- playlist
0: Well <laughs> oh, that's true well no, i mean the, it gets to a good cause yeah it, i
1: suppose
0: let me go with that i mean the, the theme of this week is war so i'm going to go for the military oh war, i like so the way you did that
1: learned. nice excellent nice yeah well done nick well for me uh, do you know you're all moaning about tw- there's actually quite a few albums uh there that i kind of when I look back, I realised, and I, I, there's one it's easy
2: to say if you've listened to any of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but I had not even realised that Ken Greco and John Hopkins was released in 2011. That would have been right up there my on my list, but it wasn't you on a, a list that I read. There was Tom Waits' last album, mm. "Bad as Me," came out. There was Kate Bush, 50 Words for Snow," um, which is good as well, like the, the El Camino thing, there was a couple of Scottish things Mogwai mm-hmm. had hard care. Hardcore will never die but you, but you will and uh, Roddy Wimble released the Impossible song and other songs I really like those things I really like the Civil Wars, Barton Hollow which is an extraordinary uh, country record but actually there was two things, I was trying to uh, think. I'll, actually there was the Decembrists have you ever listened to them? The, their album that year, The King Is Dead is R.E.M.-ish I think Al you would like this Okay. Um well there's REM, there's R E M. It's, it's uh, Yeah, but there's it's so it's it's good R E M, you're um tribute. If it's good REM
2: and not um, bad REM, then that's fine by me.
1: It's good REM you The King is Dead, it's a great album.
2: What's bad REM? Just for the just for the I record? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nightmare. It's not quite the same thing. Um bad REM would be like uh, up and um I don't know. That sort of era. I mean, not 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 necessarily terrible, but okay. but not uh, you know. It's not life stretch pageant, right? So yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I think the, the Decemberist King
1: is dead is sort of that era. REM, I uh, like. Uh, the, there was there was two things. The Beastie Boys' last album, Hot Sauce Committee Part Two, came out that year, and that uh, was something I hadn't quite picked up on that year, but came to later. And it's an extraordinary album. My favourite album of the year was uh, by a band called Beirut, called The Riptide. And um, it's uh, an American, they're an American band with sort of slight tex mexy, folky influence, but Brazilian music. There's lots of folky instruments and, and lots of horns on there. And it has this very, Plaintive vocal delivery, uh, yeah. which is I've really beautiful. I've heard a couple beautiful. of Beirut
0: tracks, but from a lot more recently, which were which were, were quite special, but hadn't really heard of them from that far back. I didn't realize they'd been around for that long.
1: I really, really love his voice. And that album, uh, very specifically, was mm. sort of slightly different from other things he'd done. It's quite synth-heavy, but uh, it's just a beautiful record. Oh, um, check so it out. That's my favourite one. And my favourite number one of the year, I did have a choice, and it was Bruno Mars' The Lazy Song. <laughs> which I just... It's just quite a nice, happy song. It's a daft thing. I don't know if you've seen the video with the monkeys. <laughs> That's kind of fun. That's what it comes like down that. to. We spent... Oh. It's sort of... It's one of those ones that, you know, you can kind of spend some happy time singing along with the kids. The other song I wanted to mention was Little Mix. And hit with cannonball mm. and it's dreadful mm-hmm. but the original of that song by damien rice i know that is yeah, a beautiful is true. a beautiful song i've um i
2: played that at a wedding uh, the original did you reduce the bride to tears um not at that point no but uh <laughs> you know, the, the night was young <laughs> would you and i hope that wasn't my wedding <laughs> no no I, I i played the wedding band uh, with some friends um, who I miss very much. Who lived down in London, Sam and Rich and uh, Lucy and Bob, and um, yeah, we we played in a wedding band down in Bristol, and that was one of the songs. Actually, I, I think it's quite possible that I didn't play anything on that. I think it might have just been acoustic guitar and voice. And then we did uh, take that back for good after it. I did you no know, Was it back for good? Yeah, it was. Um, I played bass on that one. Uh, I played guitar and the rest. But um, we did a pretty good back for good. I got to say, not one of my favourite songs, a great but song. we. Well, we stormed it. That's a great song. We take that. I'd seen it. They'd be like, "This is where we've been going wrong."
0: That's a that's a weird (laughs) song. That's a weird song to play
2: at a wedding, isn't it? Back for good. Depends whether it was the first wedding or not. I was in the supermarket like a couple weeks ago, and their comeback single when they came back without Robbie, uh, which was um, uh, "We Can Rule the World." That one. That's a great song. That's like the greatest. Like um, I don't know. like the greatest Snow Patrol song that Snow Patrol never recorded, you know? Um, it's very much in that sort <laughs> I of praise. vibe of that.
0: There was a fine line between Snow Patrol and later, I'd take that. There was but
2: yes, yeah, so that whole sort of like um, emotionally charged indie thing that like Snow Patrol and lots of other bands, the sort yeah, of post-Coldplay yeah. sort of indie guitar, uh, take that really tapped into it very effectively.
0: Well, it's kind of like Coldplay with added emotion,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I noticed nobody chose the Coldplay album as their album... i made, consciously
3: you? uncoupled from Coldplay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Me and the rest of the world, hopefully. Um, do you know the the song from that year that I, I presumed would have been a number one but wasn't, but was the the big sort of summer hit? Uh, do you remember Foster the People, Pumped Up Kicks? Nope. Oh. Which I think is a great song uh, oh, and has been covered by lots of people. But, yeah, yeah, and that was everywhere but that, that was year. Kind of, but it, never... it was but never, it wasn't everywhere. Wasn't
2: it? it wasn't for... at number one
0: in the charts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what song you're talking about. I'm so old. I don't care anymore.
0: Oh, the crazy girls with the pop kids, you gotta run. It's about a school shooting. Right? Yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: yeah. Would have fitted in with a general
0: scene.
3: For... Well, don't like Monday did. Yeah, but. You know, you you made it sound like upbeat. You didn't drop a minor chord when you sang it. It was like la 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 la. la. Somebody got gotcha. Ooh.
0: That's that's how it sounds. <laughs> oh. Sounds great.
1: <laughs> but it was it was a song that was covered by lots of it bands. Was, it was yeah. It was everywhere. Cooks it? Weezer I don't did know it. What song you're talking about? You yeah. will you will recognize maybe it when maybe you know.
2: it's a Get Lucky. Is that the one you mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's it. Good good title for a school shooting.
0: (laughs) So we're just left with um, next time's bag. Yeah.
2: Well, what's happening next time? We went to random.org, a website that I like far more than I should, to pick as a (laughs) random year, and it came up with uh, um, 1995. now, what would you guys think would be the worst kind of year to have to choose an album from? Because I would have thought it would be one where it's just like, I don't like anything. Like 2011 sort of was. No, the reverse. Actually, one
0: where you've got lots of really great albums. I
2: own so many albums from that year and I really like them. Yeah. And it's like, too much it's choice. too much choice. And it's like, I want to do this one, but I want to do this one, but I want to do this one. It's been so hard. Oh my God, like the first Elastica album. Cloud's Taste Metallic by The Flaming Lips Wowie Zowie by Pavement Pacer by The Amps Nick will probably have spotted one that I haven't mentioned which uh, had to be my pick because oh god I love Teenage Fan Club and Grand Prix is a highlight of their career one of their two absolutely standout albums.
0: Well I'm quite looking forward to this because Teenage Fan Club are one of those bands that totally passed me by at the time but all my Scottish friends that love music love Teenage Fan Club
1: it's, if it's an opportunity to share this album with more people, then I'm down.
0: So, should we wrap up 2011? I'm looking forward to 95. Yeah. yeah. Good a lot. Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is <laughs> latency. <What's> that lag. <laughs> <laughs>